0: This morning we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and we are looking at John chapter 20 together. And the reason that we're looking at John chapter 20 is because in this uh, chapter, the Apostle John, the, one of Jesus' disciples, is writing down for us what he experienced and what happened. And in this uh, chapter, he tells us about Thomas's experience. And Thomas is an interesting guy. I kind of feel like Thomas is everybody. Uh, And so we're going to look at uh, Thomas' experience this morning. And so if you'd turn with me to John chapter 20, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Now, what's going on here with Thomas? Thomas. Well, what, what could cause this kind of response in Thomas? I, I sort of feel like when we pick it up here in this, in this verse, even though I really wanted to focus on, on Thomas this morning, when we jump in here, it's sort of like one of those movies where they show you right in the middle of the story, and you're going, hang on, I don't have any context for this. And then they back up, and they give you three days earlier, you know those kinds of movies? And then, they, and then they show you this is what happened. So that's what I want to do. I want, to, I want you to know that we're focusing on Thomas this morning. But now, let's go back a week earlier and see what was going on. Okay, So in, in uh, John, if you are in your Bibles, you can flip back uh, a, a page or so to John uh, chapter 18. Uh, otherwise, you can just listen as I read. John 18, uh, verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own accord, or do others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might be delivered over to the Jews. That I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? And then John 19, verse 14. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, this is Pilate, said to the Jews, Behold, your king. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And so they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him with two with him, two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross and it read Jesus of Nazareth. The King of the Jews. Now Jesus has been uh, teaching and doing all of these things, and Pilate is uh, confused about why he is being brought to him. the The Jews were unimpressed with Jesus. They 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 did not want uh, for Jesus to continue teaching because he was doing all kinds of miraculous things. And he was saying all kinds of things, and he they went, we don't think this is okay. He is leading people astray to follow after him rather than after God. He is making himself to be more than what we think he is. And so they said, we've got to get rid of this guy. And they brought him to Pilate, and Pilate is uh, put him on trial and asked him these questions and said, hang on, you, so you're a king? Jesus says, you don't understand. I'm not the kind of king you think. My, my kingdom is from a different place. And so uh, Pilate kind of hangs on to this and, and keeps bringing it up, up, up to the Jews, going, So this is your king, right? And they're going, No, no, absolutely not. We want to have nothing to do with this guy. We want this guy dead. We want him out of here. Gone. And so Pilate. Says, okay, fine. Fine. Go and crucify him. But still puts up this sign, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, over him. And in 19, John 19, verse 28, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once out came blood and water. So here you, you have Jesus on the cross, he's dying. He's being punished for for saying that he was the king, but a king of a different place. And he gives up his spirit and he dies. And the the Jews are going, okay, it's Passover time. It's celebration time. It's a holy day. We can't be having these these guys hanging up there on these crosses. We need them to die so that we can take them down and get rid of the bodies so that it doesn't defile our holy day. And so they said, can we please have their legs broken so that while they're on the cross, they won't any longer be able to push with their legs and get up enough uh, height so that they can breathe. Because if, we, if you break their legs, then they'll just hang there and they'll suffocate and they'll die very quickly. So can we please do that so that we can get rid of these bodies? And so they came and they broke the legs of the first and they broke the legs of the second and they came to Jesus and they went, he's already dead. And to verify that he was dead, the soldier takes the spear and sticks it into his side and out comes the blood and the water and he is definitely dead. They verified it. And so the bodies were taken down and they were put in, uh, he was put in a tomb, prepared for burial, put, put in a tomb and they, there he waited. And a couple of days later, after the holy day had passed, the ladies went to go and make sure that everything was okay there. And the tomb was empty. And they were very confused. And they went and they told the the, the other disciples, and they said, That the, the tomb is empty. And the disciples were very confused, and they were beginning to talk with each other and going, What's going on? What happened? What happened? We've been following Jesus. He's been doing all of these teachings. He's been doing all of these miracles. We thought that He was the Messiah. We thought that He was going to bring restoration and peace to the land of Israel. And instead, He was crucified. We totally didn't see that coming. And now, His body is gone and we don't know what's going on. And so in John chapter 20, in verse 19, it says, On the evening of that day the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there. But he wasn't. And so all the other disciples had been there, gathered in that place, and they were talking about okay, what do we do next? What does this mean for us if Jesus is dead and now his body is gone? What does this mean for us? And Jesus shows up and he goes, Guys, I'm here. Be at peace. Be at peace. I'm not dead anymore. I'm here. I'll tell you what's coming next. You're going to go and you're going to spread the good news. That's what's next. And they rejoiced. And they were so excited. And then Thomas shows up and they said, Hey, guess what? We've seen the Lord. And Thomas said, What? What are you talking about? You've seen the Lord. Yes, I also saw him. I saw him when he died. I saw him when he was buried. I've seen it. What are you talking about? You saw him. No, you don't understand, Thomas. He's alive. We saw him. He came. He told us that we are going to go and we're going to proclaim the good news that he's alive. And Thomas is going, you're out of your minds. You are out of your collective minds. That doesn't happen. There is no way. They say, no, you don't understand. He came and He showed us His hands and He showed us His side and it's Him really and truly in the flesh. Jesus is alive. He's no longer dead. And Thomas is going, unless I actually see it and put my finger there where the wound was and see it in his side and put my hand where that spear was, there is no way that I am going to believe that this could be true. We kind of resonate with Thomas, don't we? There are some things that sound too good to be true that unless we actually see it and verify it, we don't want to believe. We go, no, I can't. I can't. Can you imagine? Having been with him, with Jesus all that time, you're getting excited, you're, you're anticipating the things that would, were, he was going to do. Surely this is the Messiah. Surely this is the Messiah. Surely this is the anointed one that we have been waiting for. Surely this is him. I'm going to forsake everything. I'm going to abandon everything and leave everything behind and I am going to follow this guy because I am convinced that now, finally, the promised one of God that we have been waiting centuries for, this is Him. Who else could this be? I mean, He's doing miracles that we've never seen before. He's saying things in ways that we've never heard before. He's explaining the Scriptures in ways that just blow your mind and you go, wow, that's what that means? There's, we've never ever seen anyone like this ever before. And Thomas had given his entire life to that. And in fact... When things started going a little bit sour, and when the, the other Jews were going, you know, I don't really like this guy, and they started plotting to kill him, and the disciples got wind of this, they said, you know, Jesus, let's, let's just sort of hang back. Let's not go to Jerusalem right now. And when on occasion there was a need for Jesus to go to Jerusalem, the, the, the disciples said, you know, Jesus, this is not really a good time. The Jews are not very receptive right now. And so maybe don't. Because they're planning to kill you. And Jesus said, no, I I have to go. And Thomas said to the others, and he goes, okay, let's go die with him. I mean, if if this is what it's going to take, then let's just, we'll just go and we'll die with him. Because I'm committed to this guy and he followed him all the way to the end, and then Jesus died on the cross, and Thomas went, I thought that was it. I was convinced he was the one. And now it's over. And so when the other disciples come to him and go, Thomas, he's alive again. He's go, I can't, guys. I, I just, I can't. Emotionally, I I just can't do that again. These are ten guys who have been walking with him for the last three years. All of them together. Going, no, Thomas, for real, we have seen him. We can verify that this is true. What did Thomas think? That they were suddenly gonna go, Ha! Ah, April fools! It was the first of April, guys. We just, we all worked together on this, and we planned it, and... This is not the kind of thing you joke about. These are guys who had walked with him and been alongside him, that he knew really well, and every single one of them is telling him the same thing, and yet he's going, Guys, I, I can't. Unless I put my fingers there myself, I can't. I just can't believe. What does it take for you to believe? What does it take for you to believe? Do you have to see it yourself? Touch it yourself? Know for sure yourself? could you accept the witness of somebody else? I said, no, really and truly, I know it's hard to believe it even sounds impossible, but I am telling you for sure, this is it. I think we all find ourselves in this place where where you, you hear this message... Jesus died on the cross and three days later rose from the dead. And you go, there's something about that that just doesn't feel like anything that's ever I've ever experienced before. And it's really hard to believe. Thomas is going, I, I can't, guys. And see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. It turns out that Thomas didn't need quite as much evidence as he said he needed. He said unless unless I put my finger there I'm not going to believe. But in fact when Jesus shows up and just shows himself to Thomas, Thomas goes, "That's enough for me." Yeah, that I'm good. I'm good, Jesus. But think about it from this other perspective. What does this mean? If Jesus was dead, verifiably dead, they poked the spear into His side to confirm His death so that the disciples went, yep, He's definitely dead. They've wrapped Him. They've buried Him. He was in the tomb. It's over. And now, here He is alive. What does this mean? And Thomas reveals it in the Utterance that comes out of his mouth, My Lord and my God. This is unlike anything the world had ever seen before. This man is unique. He's in a category all his own. The Jews had been waiting for the Messiah. They had been waiting for the Anointed One. They had been waiting for somebody of the line of David to come back and, and serve as King and restore peace. To Israel. To, to make them a nation again. They, they'd been waiting and waiting also for this prophet. One like Moses who would, who would come and speak the very words of God so that they would hear it and know this is God. They, they were waiting for the restoration. The time when God would save His people. And in their experience, God had always done that through a mediator. God had always used some person to mediate. he had used Noah He'd used Moses, he'd used a Samson, he'd used Elijah, he'd used prophets and he'd used kings like David, he'd used all these different people to save his people and they were waiting for this one that would be like that, like one of the great prophets like Moses or Elijah, they were waiting for somebody like that. Who was that th- that would come? And what they were not expecting was for God himself to fulfill the role. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for it. And when Jesus came and He started doing all of these teachings and all of these miracles, they looked at Him and went, this guy, this is it! Wow, this could be like one of the great prophets of old. Has anybody ever seen anything like this since the time of Moses or the time of Elijah? Wow, this is amazing! And even so, when it came right down to it, they did not understand that God Himself would take on flesh and be His own mediator. And when He rose from the dead, Thomas goes, It's God! It's God! You are my Lord and my God! You have come! You are the Messiah that I thought, and so much more. I had no idea. I had no idea. I was expecting a king who would come and restore Israel, but your kingdom is not of this world. It's of a whole different dimension. It is a spiritual kingdom, and you're not just restoring Israel, but the entire world. I was expecting a prophet to come who would proclaim the words of God. I wasn't expecting the Word of God Himself to come. And Thomas is standing there, probably now on his knees, just amazed as his mind is blown, going, You're God! You're God. And we find ourselves in this very same place as we work through the Scriptures and as we come to this point in the Scriptures, we look at this and go, wait, what? What? All of these other things were hard to swallow. They were pretty difficult to believe. Jesus took a couple of fish and a whole bunch of, like, tiny rolls, five of them, and then he fed thousands of people from that. That's a little hard to believe. Every leper, every crippled person, every blind person, mute people, deaf people, he healed them. That's a little difficult to believe. And then you get to this and go, okay, I I just can't, guys. I was willing to stretch the bounds of what I thought was possible, and now we have reached the breaking point. He died and rose again from the dead. I'm out. I just can't. It's too good to be true. And sometimes we we read this and and we read start reading the Gospel of John and other parts of the Bible as though it was uh, the Iliad or something. Here's here's Odysseus and he's going through all of these things and it's interesting and it may or may not have tr- been true, but you know makes for a great story. Or you read about things like this and you go, oh yeah, it's like Peter Parker, right? He's got these special powers, Spider Man. Sorry. (laughs) Just revealed himself. But when you're reading this and you start to begin to understand that there were witnesses here about this historical event and they start to proclaim this is what has happened, then you start to go, wait a second, I either have to believe this or disbelieve this. This either happened or it didn't happen. He either was God or he wasn't God. And we come to this point of decision and so uh, Thomas is there and Jesus reveals himself and says, Look, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Don't disbelieve. But believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas, you you have the advantage of being able to see me. You could have touched me. And so you believed there are many others who are going to have to believe in your testimony. They're going to have to just believe that what you say is true. And in fact, John knows this. And as he's writing this book, he tells us, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe. These are written so that you may believe. John, John wrote this stuff down for us so that we would believe. First Peter chapter 1 says in verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though you don't see Him, you haven't seen Him, you don't see Him now, yet still you believe, you cling to that, and by clinging to that, holding on to that, you obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so John John says that these things, in, in verse 31, he says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. In fact, John wants so much for you to know this, that he started the book this way. There's no mystery in the book of John. There is no. If you want mystery, you better read Mark. There's lots of secrecy in Mark. But in John, none. In John, well, I mean, in John 1-1, it starts off with the word, right? But what I want to jump into verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. in the book of John, about who Jesus is. He says it over and over again, so that you might know that Jesus is God in flesh, coming as His own mediator. And so that when you believe that, you might have life in Him. We needed something. We were separated from God by our sin. We needed some kind of sacrifice. There was a whole sacrificial system that the Jews used to atone for their sin, to make themselves right with God. And Jesus comes and says, you know what? I'm going to take care of it. One sacrifice, one time. I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm going to pay it myself. And when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came and that He did that, we have a new kind of life. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, what He demonstrated is that He is God and He will live forevermore. And when we have that spiritual life with Him, we have that spiritual life with Him forevermore. I mean, when you look at that and you start to look at the ramifications of that, it is mind-blowing. It's radical. It's outside of everyday experience. This is completely different. In Zechariah chapter 12, There was a prophecy. This was much before the time of Jesus. When he said in Zechariah 12, verse 10, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall weep and mourn for him as one for an only child and weep bitterly over him, one who as one weeps over a firstborn. Little did they know when, Zechariah, when reading Zechariah that this would be literally fulfilled, that God Himself would be pierced. So that in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, On that day there shall be op- a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Little did they know that Jesus would come and that He would do that Himself. That that's how it would be fulfilled. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as you reflect on these things, don't disbelieve, but believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One of God, who is God Himself. That by believing in that, you might have life in His name. This morning, we get to take communion together, and it's an interesting time for us to take communion together. We take communion on the first Sunday of the month, and this month, the first Sunday of the month, lands right on Easter. And normally, when we are taking communion, what we are thinking about is the death of Jesus His blood shed for us. His body broken for us so that we might be forgiven of our sins. And this morning, we are celebrating that that's not the end. That Jesus not only died, but that He rose again from the dead. So that He might demonstrate for us the kind of eternal life that we will have with Him. And so this morning, I want to take Uh, communion together with that thought in mind. That we are remembering, yes, that Jesus died for our sins, but we are remembering also that that is not the end. That there is a future hope for us because of his resurrection. If I've been talking about this stuff and you're still in that place where Thomas was and you go, you're right now going, you know, I just, I can't. It sounds too good to be true or too weird to be true or too something to be true. And I just can't right now. Then I would encourage you uh, to not partake in the communion with those of us who do believe this morning. Because when you're taking the, the bread and the cup, it is um, a confession that this is what I believe. And I, I don't want for you to be duplicitous this morning. There's no no need for putting on airs here. But if you find yourself in that place where you're not sure about this, I would encourage you to start at the beginning of the book of John and read that this week. Read it even today, this afternoon. It's a great day for that. And if you have questions, I would love to talk with you. I'll take you out to coffee and we can talk about whatever you want about who Jesus is and what the Bible says and why we believe it and all of those things, I'd, I'd love to do that. But for now, uh, for those who do believe, let's, let's take communion together. So during the next song, the worship team is about to come back up. During the next song, you can uh, come and there's a table here and a table in the back. You can get the bread and the cup and bring it back to your spot. And after that song, then I will come up and we will all take it together. But now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, it is an amazing thing that our Lord and our God has given His life for us that we might live. Oh Lord God, I thank You for demonstrating. That it is finished. That the sin has been taken care of. That the death no longer has hold or sway over those who believe because there is a resurrection life. And so, Father, I pray for those that are here this morning. That they might rejoice. That they would not disbelieve, but that they would believe That in those places of doubt, in those, those places of questioning, Father, that you would give them assurance and that you would help them in their faith so that they might believe. That you may restore them, that they may be your children and have life in you. And Father, we ask for this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.